you are now about to witness the awesome crushing might of the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stop Hold that note. It happened during an Oxbow song, La Luna. He played with Jesus Lizard, passed out, woke up 30 seconds later. What are all these people doing in my living room? This is B44 of the Eugene S. Robinson Showstopper. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. Shows on artifice, artificial. Real artifice, genuine fake, and UFC on Fox 31. But first, Bob Riley sings the words that kick it all off from Stigmata's CD, Calling of the Just album, record, LP, Calling of the Just. Still available. From Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, where they hit your car with a hammer and makes a wonderful stocky stuffer. Revelation Records, they're online. Buy the CD. This song, intro, all of nothing. It's been our bumper music since 19, 2007. But I could not see so clear. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So being paid back and for always nothing. All right. All right, my friends. Yeah, yeah, no. The clip clip tone of it makes it John McCain. If it was Mickey Rourke and Barfly, but drinks were on my friend. Friend. Longer. My friends. McCain, my friends, Mickey Rourke as Bukowski before the plastic surgery ruined Mickey Rourke. Let's jump right in because last week we went one hour and 12 minutes. And at that day, you know, I don't, I don't want to make you say, oh, hold on. am I coming through the headset? I don't think I am yet. Uh, okay. And some of you have cleverly figured out that, yeah, that seems to work. Have cleverly figured out that it's better if you ask the questions for the half hour mark question and answer session now. So if you want to do that, at the at symbol, Eugene S. Robinson on Twitter, that's how you can send it. We got two in the pipe already. Uh, it depends on whether I'll be able to find them during the show when we get to the halfway mark. But let's jump right Let's jump right in. And, and I've been thinking about this a, a, a lot extensively, and, and I, I, I don't know where the genesis of it started, um, but somebody at maybe a jiu-jitsu was making fun of me because of the whole Red Hot Chili Peppers thing. 
And I got a piece coming up about why and at Ozzy.com uh, about why I hate them. My big get, I, I want to interview Kiedis <laughs> on, uh, uh, on Ozzy Confidential, my new podcast on Ozzy, uh, uh, Ozzy.com coming up on uh, January 14th. And it'll be available through Stitcher and iTunes and and uh, and uh, wherever the hell else you get your whatever that you get you get your podcast. So um, anyway, somebody was like, you know, my hatred of, and I've gone into it bits and pieces, uh, uh, bits and pieces on the show, and, and about you know, and I've given you a causal connection, connection, a process causal based connection, how I got from being fairly neutral. To then hearing about the band, to trying to give them a second thought, a second chance, you know, where my initial impulse was to resist, and then finally succumbing to the dark side of complete and total hatred. And I, I kind of built in the article, I build a causes belli, you know, uh, uh, to explain my my disdain for the well. And 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 in the end, what I, what I do is say, look, the band is actually very good. The singer, the front man, is terrible. You know, there's no quicker way to ruin a band, a, a good band, with a bad drummer or a bad frontman. But I started to think about why exactly Anthony Kiedis is is bad, and 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 it, it go and it, I touched on it on a couple of shows ago. I don't know if you remember when I talked about going to the Santa Ria event with my ex stepfather when I was a kid and seeing people. Santa Ria is like uh, uh, you know Caribbean voodoo. Well, I mean, which is weird because voodoo is from Haiti, but you know what I mean. Santeria, if you come from the Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico, you know, if you have an Orisha, you can, you know, Chango and all these kind of, uh, uh, um, you know, native gods that kind of meld it with Catholicism in a weird way. And he asked me what I thought, the people catching spirits, speaking tongues, like, ah, it was fake. It was fake. And so I've always been, so you've heard me say the past couple of shows, is that I've been highly tuned to 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 um to fakery you know i talked about my my uh, my late uh great uncle's you know wife girlfriend luella and uh, she just you know you know people talk to kids like they kids but kid, i remember and I, I just never have had patience for people who are fake okay but let's qualify what i mean by fake because it's complicated now if i say to you if i say to you oh, that guy is fake like in the MMA world, uh, like in the MMA, Rashad Evans said about Johnny Boney Joni. He said, "You guys think you know him? You don't know him. He's a total fucking. Uh, he's a total fake." What did Rashad Evans mean? Rashad Evans means that when he was the alpha guy at Jackson Wink, a team that has now fallen apart largely, Jackson Wink in in a. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. When he was. Uh, the alpha there, he said, hey, Jack, uh, uh, Greg Jackson came to him and said, hey, we want this kid. He's going to come in with John Jones. Do you mind? And I said, no, do you not mind? And John Jones was friendly. So uh, what he what he what he was expect what he was suspecting was that that in an all about Eve fashion. And that's a movie reference all about Eve that that uh, that Johnny Boney Joni had worked his way into the good graces of Jackson Wink. Forgetting the fact that Jackson, the, 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 uh, Greg Jackson, and Winkle John had eyes, you know, and, and kind of essentially snookered in, snookered them in with the whole Sage North, but golly gee, what Sage North, but what Sage North, but golly gee, Willikers, you know, 
and, and then that's not fundamentally who the guy was. The guy who was, look, first of all, first of all, so what he's saying is this guy presented himself like a sheep and he was in actual fact a wolf in sheep's clothing. In my mind, Rashad Evans, that's on you. Unless you have a four-stated commitment, I'm going to give you two examples. Daniel Cormier, D.C., put his health at risk, even though he had some kidney problem from bad past weight cuts, so that he would fight in light heavyweight, so that he wouldn't have to cross swords with a guy he trained with, a brother and a teammate, Cain Velasquez. That was a studied decision. He goes, in this fight game, you know, uh, uh, the path of success inevitably puts you against the other alphas who are also on the path of success. So when Johnny Boney show, Joni shows up at, at light heavyweight, you had to know. There's no line. I learned that doing music a long time ago. It's a, hey, how come those guys are playing over us? You know, we've been around a lot longer. Oh, oh, of course. Right. So we paid David Bowie what we paid David Bowie because he's been making music since the 60s. No, that's not how it works. It's capricious and unfair, and that's the name of the game. But maybe Rashad Evans was talking about something else when he was talking about Johnny Boney Joni. Maybe he was talking about something that we all later got a glimpse in. Choir boy behind a microphone in real life, coke snorting, weed, weed, weed huffing, you know, pregnant woman crashing, hellhead. Well, again, let's push a little deeper. How would Rashad have preferred him to be? Mike's in front of my face. What do you got planned for the next fight, Johnny Boney Joni? Well, immediately after this one, I'm going to get a big, big fucking finger-sized line of coke. I'm going to lay it on a hooker's ass, and I'm going to snort it all off before I go out to bars, take the edge off with some vodka, have sex with some strippers, and then maybe get a, see if I can get the car home in one piece while I slide in bed next to the wife, her being none the wiser. Wink. There's my press conference. There's my press conference. So, okay, so people inside the business, inside the fence, understand, understand um, let's call it, this is more pejorative than I like, understand shtick, right? Avery, Avery, who was that guy? Avery Schreiber, the comedian back in the 70s. Well, hello there. And the, and the best part is when the curtain slips and you discover like Arthur Godfrey, sorry to go back this many years. Arthur Godfrey had, was this kindly comedian in the mold of later Johnny Carson who fired his music director on the air. And people were like, oh, kindly Arthur Godfrey is a fucking killer. And the, the the dissonance was so great that they turned on Arthur Godfrey. He had to, like, go off to the sticks and rehabilitate his image instead of this guy who was the real guy. I've learned the hard way. Like Marlon, like uh, Carl, Ma uh, uh, like Marlon Brando says to Carl Malden in the one movie that Marlon Brando directed, One-Eyed Jacks, suggest you see it. Well, you're a regular one-eyed jack around here, Paul, but I seen the other side of your face. Now, 
Rashad's pie in the sky expectations for how somebody should be had no real precedence in sports outside of guys who are curiosity footnotes. Lyle Alzado was Lyle Alzado 24 hours a day. He wasn't having press conferences where he was talking about doing lines of coke the size of his finger off of a hooker's ass in the press conference. But like you saw when you saw Cuba Gooding on that uh, New Year's Eve show a few years back where he was really animated. And James Brown, the, the Fox sportscaster, go, huh, I'll have what he's having. <laughs> wink, wink, nod. We knew. Was Cuba Gooding involved in hiding anything from us? Because he didn't say, man, I did a bunch of coke in the bathroom and I'm flying high. It was good business. It was shtick. His shtick was show me the money guy. He could go out there a little bit amped up and enthusiastic like that. And people would go, ah, that's Cuba Gooding. Rashad didn't like, didn't like the artifice and the artificial versus the real and genuine. He couldn't figure out how they, he felt bad about it because he felt snookered by it. And that's been at the base root of my distaste for fakery from the beginning. If you've ever had anybody cheat on you, it's not so much the cock in the hole that's a problem, right? It's all of the stuff that goes around to support that version of reality that ultimately ends up rankling you more. <laughs> I've always, like Michael, Michael Corleone says to, to Carlo in The Godfather Part 1, he goes, look, don't lie to me. It insults my intelligence. It just upsets me. I went out, I did that, but ding, ding, got it. Minimum of artifice, you could actually get away with it. You might actually successfully get away with it. A minimum of artifice. What did you do? I had a girlfriend ask me, what did you do last night? I said, I went out with this Finnish woman I met at a movie theater, and I went back to her place. She said, did you have sex with her? Yes. Done. She wasn't happy. But I didn't insult her intelligence by saying, I didn't go out last night. I didn't see any movie last night. I in fact, I was the kind of guy who would lie about shit that was completely arbitrary. The same girlfriend said, you ever eaten at this restaurant we before as we sit at the restaurant? And I said, no, no, I haven't. I don't know why I lied. I just didn't want her asking me, like, well, where? What? I didn't know you. Why would you go? It was a nice poolside restaurant. You could, it was a hotel, but you could just actually wander in and sit at the pool and they bring you stuff. We sit down at the table, all these heads appear in that little cutout, all the guys in the kitchen, and they go, hey, it's the omelet man. Yeah, omelet man, eh? I, I am the omelet man. Hmm. So a place I've never been before, a guy, I'm sorry, I'm doing the show, babe. Okay, <laughs> it's my wife here. So uh, um, a, a guy who I've never seen before, Pegs me as the omelet man. <laughs> Arbitrary lie. I had nothing to gain. People lie for very distinct reasons. To make themselves look better, to avoid punishment, or to gain something. I was doing none of that. It was just arbitrary. That was confused fakery. So real fakery, I what Rashad Evans expected from Johnny Boney Joni was unrealistic to expect. If I expect that when I jump your fence and pass that sign that says, beware the dog, and your dog bites me, I expected that sign was, that's, that's on me. I never for a second, second felt bad for Rashad Evans in this, in this scenario.
your refusal to acknowledge ended up with you fucking collapsed in the corner of that cage. You felt bad that you didn't see it coming. I've actually been in a situation to give to give guys warnings. I said, hey, man, every time I see you and your old lady, she's got fewer clothes on. And they laugh like, oh, it just keeps up. I'm going to probably have to have sex with your old lady, you know? And everybody's laughing and laughing. Well, you know, that's... I wasn't lying, I wasn't laughing, and I wasn't joking. So my problem with, with, with Anthony Kiedis is that, that I feel on a deep, fundamental level, this, this, this child of Hollywood C-level celebrity, his father was some sort of music, I don't even remember what it was. He used to call his father's penis the pumpkin or something like that. It's nauseating like that. So he'd been raised in a Hollywood household, smoking weed when he was 10 and all that kind of shit, as written about in his book, Scar Tissue. That, 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 it dawns on me that I don't like him because on a deep fundamental level, Anthony Kiedis is fake. And he's fake at a frequency that jibes perfectly well with Hollywood. Sincerity is everything. And once you can fake that, you got it made. It's it's the it's the oxygen. It's the it's the oxygen in the atmosphere of Hollywood. It's the fuel for the fucking tank. It's food for thought in Hollywood. It is food for thought in Hollywood. Now, I, as Rashad Evans in this instance, am am appalled. I'm shocked and routinely appalled that what? That nobody else sees what I see. That this this guy is colossally false. At a deep elemental level. But you know why people don't see it? It's not that I'm smarter than they are. No, it's that they're more perceptive than I am because in actual fact, fakeness Real versus fake fake, real fakeness is, uh, well, fake fakeness, let's go fake fakeness, is, is premised on, an, much like the Lost Battalion, an acknowledgement of insincerity. Avery Schreiber is not walking around going, hello there at home. I think he just died. For those of you, old comedian. Johnny Boney Joni showed up at, at Jackson Wink uh, having a, a pretty strong sense of predestination, I believe. He had already popped off with DC about, I bet I could take you down. The world was his oyster. He was having a good old time from junior college wrestler to this. Perfect. In other words, Anthony Kiedis um is is a real fake and that's why nobody sees it or they see it and they choose to disregard it by which i mean that at the core of his being is a fakeness so complete it's completely sus supplanted any kind of reality like i used to think i used to hate journey you know 
just a small town girl and it was, it was out Detroit. Okay. And I'm listening to Don't Stop Thinking About It. And I'm listening to this, this, this dreck, this lyrical dreck. And I'm going, these guys are so fucking fake. I can't stand it. This disingenuous pap. And then I read a long interview. Some guy who I w- worked with at Adobe, I worked at him both with Apple and Adobe. He says to me, I think Journey is just about the best band ever. And I went back to my office with tears in my eyes. I was laughing so hard. This guy says, motherfucker's crazy. And then so a long interview comes across my desk, some magazine with, with Steve Perry. And I read it from beginning to end wrapped. And I finally figure out Steve Perry believes all this shit. It's how I came to the same conclusion that artistically, in terms of integrity, that Motley Crue is a much more integrity-full band than Fugazi. They're not stretching. They're in their wheelhouse. Talk about girls, motorcycles, drugs. That's it. That's what they live. That's what they breathe. That's what they do. That's what they write about. You don't learn anything from Fugazi about their music. It's here. For those just listening to the radio, I'm pointing to my forehead. It's kind of thought, you know, thought stuff. Well, I think, I think, not I feel, I think. So at his, at his base level, that there is no there there for this guy. He is a child of Hollywood, as he said many times before, and I just didn't hear it. You know who fake, who, 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 who are fake fakes? Politicians are fake fakes. They're professional frauds. And the reason why the people who like Trump like Trump is because Trump is a real fake. There was just a quote the other day from dude who used to be, uh, I think, Mulvaney and from 2016, who now is his new chief of staff. And he was like, look, the guy's got no shame because he's not go. He's got no insight. And he's one of these rare sociopathic creatures who has no conscience. There's no awareness of, of, of falsity making him a real fake. We've gotten so attuned to fake fakes. Sorry, we've got so attuned to, to fake fakes in, in a political sphere. I mean, even Obama, when he would do that thing with his voice where he would go, and you got to get out and vote. You know, that deeply earnest to put upon. And I just hated it every time he done it. He did it. And people around him would start doing it. And now it's become a staple of kind of radio. You hear, guys, you really want to look. I'm sure you have not a single fucking doubt in your mind that if you were to walk in, you would see me in a bar or you see me in the street. Or like some of you see me on the streets of New York. Weirdly enough, three sightings on the streets of New York. I'm walking down in Brooklyn Heights around the promenade. One guy walked all the way around the block so he could walk back in front of me to be sure it was me. You guys had no doubt in your mind that the person you met is the same one. There's a one-to-one correlation. Now, I'm not saying I'm any more sincere than anybody else. But my awareness of my falsity is much like Anthony Keyes. I'm just not aware of it. I'm not aware of it. And if you're not aware of it, though ignorance of the law is no excuse in something like this, can you hold the person responsible? Like Peter Laurie says in the movie, in Fritz Lang's movie, the uh, in uh, M, you choose to be a burglar. You choose to be a prostitute. My calling, child killing, was chosen for me. 
You can help what you can do. You can do other things. I cannot. So the sum total of my my actions, Eugene, you see, the, look, there was a, a genuine quality to 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 the artifice. Now it seems like I'm going to support real fakes over fake fakes. I mean, we could go back through history, right? Was Hitler a real fake or a fake fake? People don't know. Christopher Browning from whatever it was, I think he, uh, Dartmouth, I forget what, you know, he wrote uh, the answer book to uh, to Hitler's willing executioners, uh, Christopher Browning, uh, Daniel Goldhagen's book. And he, I remember distinctly, heard him speak and he said, obviously Hitler was a deeply disturbed anti-Semite. So he seems to be saying that Hitler was a real fake. I mean, this goes back to the, the, the dichotomy between, between true believers and opportunists. But I say, I say that, uh, I mean, Gold, um, Browning says that he, he says Hitler was a deeply disturbed anti-Semite, but he seems to make the claim that Hitler was a fake fake. That he was not as crazy as people thought and that he, he was, you know, he was incremental. Big believer in providence and uh, destiny smiled on him. He did this, and then everybody looked the other way. It was okay, I can take this step, and I can take the. Had he been stopped by Chamberlain and anybody else on the way there, he would have backed off because destiny would have been showing him a diff different path. Or, like Heydrich said, we all have our favorite Jews, but nobody escapes from our kettle alive. Okay. So he understood that, that you know, the, the agitprop about Jews. But, you know, it was politically expedient. That seems to be Browning's take. Daniel Goldhagen sort of comes at it from a different point of view. But let's go back through history. Awareness versus lack of awareness. Mao, I would give Mao fake fake. He all had hagiography. He knew what they were doing. He knew he was a guy eating sweetmeats and he wasn't suffering and he was a... And he liked torture. Talked about jet planing where you tie some guy's arms behind him. He never was a man better built for jet planing than my father. He just he figured out late in life that he liked torture. Stalin. Well, you know, Stalin was a criminal. I think he was a hustler and a criminal. Criminals are pretty fake fake. Sammy the Bull Gravano, before he became Sammy the Songbird Gravano, uh, which he was perfectly justified in doing, as far as I'm concerned, in regards to Gotti. Um, he would like, you know, I don't know. I'm a plumber. I don't know. I don't know. He was a professional fit. He had to be. Criminal enterprise requires it. Like that time that guy asked when I was like 20, 25, and some guy's girlfriend was 17 and stayed over at my place. He goes, hey, man, I hear a rumor that you, that you uh, messed around with my girlfriend. He asked me this question in public. I looked at him and said, that's absolutely not true. And I looked at him like, do you actually expect me to cop to illegal behavior in a public setting? Statue of limitations is over, by the way. So, you know, me too or no me too. She was consenting, but I understand under 18, she couldn't give consent. I'm not talking about that now. <laughs> Talking about my, was that real fake of it? No, 
it was criminal. I was concealing criminal behavior. It was fake, fake. I understood exactly what I was doing. That's the kind of shit that keeps you out of long, uh, out of lost battalion and awareness. Jesus Christ, fake, fake or real fake? Real fake. I mean, Hitler is, tends to be a compelling character because nobody knows to this day whether he was a real fake or a fake fake. He used to analyze his speeches from the point of like, like, like how did I do in that speech? And he slowed down, look at the tape, and he would do poses in the mirror for his photographer to see how whether they were appropriately heroic enough. But I know in my heart of hearts that Anthony Kiedis is a real fake which seems to exonerate him. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. The bald one, much like the President of the United States of America, I believe is a real fake. I think the bald one is so committed to being the bald one and can't really think of anybody he, anybody else he'd rather be that that I don't think he's aware. Or unconcerned or unconnected to the fact that, you know, it could be like the, I had somebody who interviewed Bobby De Niro and he was like, yeah, and he was another journalist was asking him, how was it? You know, a lot of times with these actors, there's no there there. He goes, well, De Niro was kind of a strange guy, really quiet in the interview. I remember interviewing, I personally remember interviewing Chris Rock and much different than you'd expect the person really quiet and contemplative and kind of darkly intense. Still not a, you know, I think his time has passed, but uh So so the bald one I think is in in other words, what is that great line uh from uh, Don Quixote uh Cervantes he says I, I shall impersonate a man. And there was something extraterrestrial about Hitler. He was always super concerned about how he came, how, how is it they see me? Which if you want to get crazy conspiracy, he might have been a gray. He's a vegetarian. His body wasn't adept at processing animal products. You think he cared about animals? Maybe. Suffering post-traumatic stress from, from World War I? Maybe. Don't know. Still don't know whether he was a real fake or fake fake. So what? So so what is my beef? What is my problem with Anthony Kiedis? If he's a real fake and therefore exonerated, what what is it that I'm holding against him? I realize I, I could be crazy. In other words, I'm realizing that 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 fundamentally that people should be let off the hook. It's the fake fakes that we justifiably can't stand. Politicians. Are there any other professional categories of fake fix? Criminals. Any other ones? Um, I was going to say cops because they tend to be grouped a lot. Cops and criminals. But the reality of it is, I think there are a lot of real fakes in the criminal in, in the cop class. Other words, true believers. There's some guys out there who really understand the job as what it is, which is helping people who can't help themselves. Absent the, the bad apples. Me, if you ha if I had to slice it up, I'm a real fake.
I mean, there, there have been glimpses of a where, like, for example, a friend of mine was telling me, he's like, yeah, I got, he's got a great voice, great voice, like sings like a fucking angel. And he's all into this online karaoke thing. He says, you know what? I meet somebody on Tinder and they start talking about what I like. I say jujitsu and singing. They go, really? Do you have any videos of you singing? And he goes, do I? And he sends some videos of him singing, voice like an angel. First thing that the woman sees is him singing in his car. It looks like a recording studio, but it's his car. He's lit it. And he's singing some super sensitive thing about, I want to I wanna get close to you. And you're swayed. You, you, but clearly, <laughs> he is doing this to affect a certain end. Making him a fake fake. All fake fakes aren't bad. I mean, in that instance, the difference, the space between A and B clearly allows me to see, I got it. Like, I don't think I'd go hunting with a PVC pipe sharpened on one end if I'm hunting wild boar. But you are, and I got, if it works, fuck it, more power to you. So so if we can't decide if 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 we could put hitler in one of one of the other category we could probably comfortably decide which was which but being that we he's a neither fish nor fowl case and we don't know it seems like real fake would be better than fake fake and i might say that because i'm on the real fake side versus the fake fake side but it could be happen if i can't hold either side look an awareness of wrongdoing one one who was it somebody said define cruelty for me and they said a delight in wrongdoing but an awareness of wrongdoing you know that's that's uh, process based like criminals like i can't tell the truth about what it is i do for a living because it will result in me not being able to do what i do for a living that makes perfectly good so if we can't hold them responsible is this weird college this college moral relativism where Real fake and fake fake are the same kind of fake, aren't they? And who is to say, who is to say that they are qualitatively worth less than the real? Which is another way of saying the real fake could just as easily be real. There is no other bald one to go back to other than the bald one you see today. There is no other Eugene S. Robinson to go back to other than the one you see today. Yes, there are many facets to the personality, but wh- whatever other paths were taken, each path that was taken to get me over 56 years to this moment in time is completely consistent and, and logical and could be expressed on a nice flow chart that makes total sense to anybody who had the eyes to look. Does that mean it's qualitatively better than somebody who's like, because of my job, I got to do this. And do I succeed? Once you got it fixed, you got it made. Sincerity. I don't know. Don't know. Don't know. But I do know when I smell fake, fake. My first response, as it has been since I was like seven or eight, is come on. Uh, don't, uh, you know, it's like you ever talk to cops. I love talking to cops socially because no matter like, and that's why I liked Robbie Lawler so much. He was like a cop. 
Because you talked to Robbie Lawler. I don't know if you talked to him backstage. Hey, man, I want to have you on my show. He, I think he may have been on an old knuckle up. I don't remember at this point in time. But you talk and everything, his eyes would kind of narrow. And everything is like he didn't believe you no matter what you said. Talk to a cop. He'd be like, ah, my name is Eugene. Ah, easy, huh? Not a black guy's name, Eugene. I said, I don't know. My name is Eugene. Huh? <laughs> you know, they don't. Why? Because they don't want to be on the wrong side of that curtain. Because in their business, being on the wrong side of that curtain could be the difference between life and death. In other words, they want to know what's behind the curtain. Most of us are okay with living life in front of the curtain, and we take things as it as it delivered to us. None the what I've chosen to do that. People go, Eugene, how do you how do you keep from being jealous? Of you, I said, well, easy. <laughs> It doesn't work for everybody, but how about this? Imagine if you can't see your partner. They are full of penis. <laughs> if they're not directly in front of your eyes, they are full. Like I had a, a girlfriend who was a pathological liar. I told a buddy of mine, I was really upset, uncovered one of her many lies. And a buddy of mine said, man, I would only do that one time. And then I realized you gotta, you cannot be bullied about by 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 this kind of circumstance and i said you know what there is nothing that she could tell me that would change my understanding of this situation therefore it doesn't matter to me whether she lies or not the essential truth of our relationship is not going to be changed by moving these deck chairs around on the titanic and once i got to that place once i got to that place like it didn't matter the truthfulness the veracity the falsity of what she said in other words the, the whole fake fake aspect it had zero power over me certainly and over the relationship because i wasn't there for her i was there for me and in that sense qualitatively i have to say that i think real fake is better than fake fake i just think it is it just so happens i'm on the real fake side not the fake fake side but I, I happen to I happen to think it is well you Eugene well I've been peppering this with with MMA connections all throughout, and to provide a segue into where we're going to go now, which is at the start five fifty. So we're at we're a little bit ha halfway point. So let's go to the question and answer, which will um which which will uh allow us to get to the MMA um uh. MMA version. Okay, so let me get to the questions here. MMA version of the show. So hold on, give me two seconds. So this is, I don't know the dude wants me to use his name. Hold on. Uh, okay. So, well, his name is Ray. He said, um, okay. A question. The date on this is wacky. Okay. Question for the show for the Stomper. Do you think Dan's team was Dan Hooker's team? And I did all right with the picks this weekend as well, right? I picked against uh, uh, a Hooker. I picked uh, Oliveira, and I picked uh, Ally Quinta. And I'll, t I'll talk about that in a bit. But uh, do you think Dan's team was right in not throwing in the towel? If you were in a similar situation, would you want the opportunity to go out on your shield? I feel there is still a stigma attached to throwing in the towel that doesn't exist in boxing. What are your thoughts? Um, well, mm -hmm. this and this perfectly segues way into the real fake and the fake fake thing because I've seen a fight, super talented fighter that I knew, and he came back to he was 
gassed. It was an adrenaline dump to end all adrenaline dumps. And it was his head. Like I saw Kevin Lee's head die after the first round. Why? Because he went into this fight thinking, first of all, it's in the Midwest. We're in about seats for his teacher, his ex-girlfriend, his mother, his father. And then, of course, the, the ghost, the big 800-pound gorilla, elephant, whatever you want, a large savanna animal you want in the room, was the, him losing the first time. His body was cylindrical. It wasn't spread out. It wasn't easy. It wasn't loping. He was came in, wound too tightly on this one. So Dan Hooker, what we're talking about now is, it, let, let me go. So this guy, super talented fighter, goes back at having adrenaline jump to uh, dump to end all adrenaline dumps. And he says to his corner says to him in a very leading way, if it was a court trial, it's in a leading way, you want to go on? And that was a point at which he was uh, supposed to say, dig down, double down deep and say, yeah, I want to go on. And he says he was just tired. But it was an emotional tiredness. See, I've been watching the guy push cars around the parking lot and flip tires. He, I watched him do that for an hour and a half and then run stadiums. He wasn't tired. It was his head. And his coach said the most injurious thing ever. He goes, oh, you want to quit? We'll quit. Now, maybe he would say later, I use the word quit pejoratively because I hope that the guy would hear quit and go, fuck, quit. I'll quit. I'll quit. I'll quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm not a quitter. Quitters don't quit. I will not quit. But he didn't. He goes, cool. They wait and they threw the towel in. Because the guy didn't think in his head that he could do it. He was afraid. I'll tell you, I'll share a personal story. A friend of mine in high school, we wanted to go to the same college. His grades were shit. He got swine flu somehow during high school and his grades were shit. I said, man, I'm going to go to Stanford. It'd be cool if you could go to Stanford too. He goes, my grades are shit. I go, let's break into the school and change your grades. And now it was a misbegotten plan, but it was the only plan we had. So we, we planned this for a long time. I had already gotten into Stanford, right? Or I knew I would get in. Just had a sense. I met the woman from the Stanford thing and I got the vibe. I just had the sense. So we get a mini crowbar, create some fiction with my parents. Ah, I'm going to go out to see so-and-so's. And we go to the school. We jump down into, into the, the un underground passageway and we get to the side door and we're yanking and yanking. And he goes, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. What do you mean you can't do it? I go, get the fuck. He goes, I can't, I can't do it. I can't. I, I, this is one of the few people that actually called me Gene. He goes, I, I can't, I can't do it. I go, fuck you, just stand there. And he goes, no. And he runs out, panic, like real animal panic in his eyes. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to fucking risk my grades for helping this guy. Okay, so I left. He goes, you know what I got? Hey, man. And he did not get into Stanford. He ended up going to University of Michigan, fine school. My second choice, I got in. But yo, bro. I don't want to spend my time in Michigan. Still friends to this day, but the the point is the point the the point the, the what, what what was the point? <laughs> no, the point is connected to connected to. Look, I've seen real animal panic, and the guy who quit the fight it was his head. Now I couldn't stop my friend from running out and break in and do all this other stuff, there, so I went with it. But if any of you have been in the fight, if you've read my fight book, A Wonderful Stocking Stuffer, you know that it's better to take the beating than to live with the repercussions of having to run from the beating. Sometimes. Now, they have felony fights. You've seen this shit on YouTube. I hate it. 
It violates my sense of fair play because if a guy is unconscious on the ground, you do not keep kicking him in the head as far as I'm concerned. Maybe it's called felony fights for a reason. Maybe it's called felony fights because you're going to fucking jail after a fight like that. Violates my sense of fair play. But that guy should never, this guy who I'm talking about, amateur fighter, should never have been allowed to quit. And he's never been the same. Never been the same. So, Dan Hooker, did they do a disservice where the guy clearly is fucked up after the second round and goes, did they do a disservice by having him go out in the third round? In other words, even if you ask the guy, hey, man, should you, should you, you want to quit on this? Are you, are you putting him in a position where he's, he's, well, it depends. My first MMA fight, I got knocked out at the end of the first round by Chris Sanford. I swore to God I tripped. He was on the first season of The Ultimate Fighter. And they let me go, and I fell again. All that bravado that I thought that fighters were talking about, I didn't understand it until this very moment. I couldn't keep my legs under me, but I felt fucking fine. I wanted to go on. The bell rings for the second round. I realize the guy is way too much for me to take standing up. I shoot, he sprawls, uh, he, he sprawls, swivels, pulls me, uh, what does he do? Uh, guillotines me, sprawls and then guillotines me. That I could accept. I couldn't physically go on. But they didn't stop the fight, I stopped the fight. A certain amount of forbearance by Chris Sanford kept me from being hurt. He could have he could have sprawled, backed up, soccer kicked me in the head, and I probably would have been upset. I probably would have gone back to the, whoever I had was friends with. They go, why don't you fucking stop? You saw I wasn't in my right mind. It's a delicate, thin ice balance. Who knows how it plays? His, I don't think Dan Hooker's head was in the right spot, but the guys had a good run. You don't want to take that from him, but you don't want the guy the next day to look. I got hit in the ear once doing MMA and had horrible vertigo for a week. I mean, not fun vertigo on the bed and the bed was spinning like it was a Wizard of Oz. Not cool. I tell Sarau about it. I go in the class. He's like, OK, let's roll. We start rolling. He starts punching me in the head. I go, what the fuck is your problem? I just told you. And as he's telling me, the world is like, ah, ah, ah. I go, what do you think? I'm joking? I'm not. Cut it out. At least I'm here. So, yeah, we, have, we, we don't want, you look, boxing does it, guys. There's no moss, and he's Roberto Duran, and they make jokes about him. But fundamentally, they're okay because they know if you watching boxing is tough in these days because it's the face of the head, the face, sorry, the, the face of the head and the stomach, the face of the head and the stomach. That's it. There's no other stuff to mitigate damage. None. None. None, 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 none. None, no other stuff. No other stuff. So I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think on the one hand, we, the just bleed thing, you got to stop with that. That, that. that shit's not good. You know, that, that, that shit's ultimately not, not, not any good for the fighter. It's not even good for us. It's not good for the teams. But at the same time, you know, high level 
athletic performance exists right on the edge of chaos. Usain Bolt, his body is, he's the fastest man in the world because he can, he's fully capable of getting his body right to the point of almost total failure, but not quite. It just happens in fighting that total failure has long lasting repercussions beyond the actual fight. You pull a hamstring sprinting, you might be okay in a month. Dan Hooker might never be okay. Go back to Lee Strasberg and Godfather Part 2. I never asked who gave the order because this is the life we've chosen. Should porn stars wear condoms? This is the life we have chosen. Should OSHA interfere in San Fernando Valley? This is the life we've chosen. And if you're in somebody's corner, depending on your level of care or concern and how real you think the guy is, you know, there's some people who are just like, fuck it, I'm quitting because this guy's better than me and I stink and my father was not nice to me when I was a kid and I'm quitting. That guy, very specifically, should not be allowed to quit. Dan Hooker should have been allowed to quit, even if he didn't call for it. Even if it puts you out of a job later, because he goes, I can't, I get, I need a team that's going to be behind me. Uh-huh. Yeah, we, we have one of those right now. He's going to jail for three years. Michael Cohen thought he was on a team. They thought he was on a team. Uh, um, thought he was on a team that, that uh, he was going to be behind the guy 100%. So let's see. What was the other question? Uh... Oh, this is a long one. Uh, yeah, this is yeah, somebody's apologizing. Uh, talking about Anthony Kiedis' book. Somebody's texting me. I can't find the other question. See, this is what happens when you send them in early. I sometimes have a hard time finding them. Okay, hold on. Uh, nope, I can't. I can't find it. Can't, whatever the other question was. Of course you. Okay, hold on. Somebody's sending stuff in now. Uh, Jesus was a crazy fake. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, right? You know, if somebody made the same claims that Jesus was making today, just because you have people who support him doesn't mean he's not crazy, right? Uh, imagine the love Flea must have for the guy to stick around. Uh, you know, it's like when you're on a deserted island and you see the guy, one guy looks like a hot dog and the other guy looks like a hamburger, but I think they're friends. We're talking about it today. It's hard. You know, I've met lonely celebrities, right? It's hard to have friends. Who are you going to be friends with? When I was editor-in-chief of Code Magazine, these celebrities, sports celebrities want to be friends with me. I'd start getting up around 12. They go, where are you going? So I'm going home. What do you mean you going home? Got to get up for work. And they go, they didn't understand. So who are they going to be friends with? They're going to be friends with Cato Kalen level hangarounds. Guys don't need to get up the next day. And suddenly they find hey, it's a small price to pay for them to buy all the meals and all the drinks because they got a companion. They got a dog. Uh, but Flea, I don't know. Flea is the one who actually, if you remember from the story, tried to run me down on sun, sorry, on Sunset Boulevard. Um, years ago, my best friend offered the point that uh, and Out Come the Wolves is the first album to throw on if you want to put a bar full of disassociatives at ease. In terms of overall ambassadorship, I couldn't disagree. What would you choose? Um, 
I don't know. I'm kind of touchy, uh, uh, touchy about music because I, I've discovered, sadly, as a person who creates music, that most people don't listen to music specifically. They listen to it generally. And this is even music creators. My bass player was like, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not big on lyrics. I don't ever, but so yet, you know, I sang the, the way in the morning, run around supper time, creators clear water, Willie and the, and the poor boys. And I go, what's the next line? And he knew it instantaneously, but his perception is that he doesn't stick to it. So what the, okay. So if I want to put a bar full of disassociatives at ease, in, in bars that I've been in that are full of disassociatives, I have to say the music most consistently being played on the fucking jukebox are three. Bad Company, <laughs> right? The Allman Brothers are the Rolling Stones. And that sort of dates me. Because if I was hanging out in bars full of disassociatives, it's when like the, Ro the Hells Angels actually used to be into the Rolling Stones. So pre-some uh, uh, girls, right? Uh, pre, <laughs> pre some girls. <laughs> uh, exactly. I, I like this, this guy. I'm going to just show you the graphic, dude. I don't know if he wants his name mentioned, but I think that cracks me up. I went to a brawl. Uh, yeah, that's very funny. This is the kind of stuff I'm getting during, during the show. Uh, is there another question? Uh, you mean there'll be an end? Fuck. I, I don't know what he's referring to here. Now, this is something else. Uh, okay. So that's the end of the questions. So the actual fight itself. Um, the actual fight itself, let's start with uh, the, the headliner. I called it for Ally Akinta, and somebody gave me a hard time last night. Um, and they said, you know, picking picking Iaquinta for regional reasons is probably the the, the most <laughs> the most ins it's like the worst kind of fight prognostication ever. And I was like, yeah, but it wasn't only that. I mean, it was easy to say, I'm going to go with a New York guy over a Detroit guy. That was easy to say. But the reality of it was, I knew the hill, you know, the hills and the harbors. I knew that the hill of that first loss was a hard one to get over. How do I know that? Because I fucking fought Chris Sanford again. And I know from personal experience that that shit is hard to get over. You know it. He know Like, you know what it's like? It's like sexual dysfunction. Have you ever been in this situation where you can't get it up? I have. Okay, I could say maybe I shouldn't have taken, I had a bad headache before the date, so I took three Excedrin. Maybe I shouldn't have taken that, those Excedrin. Or maybe I shouldn't have started the date at a hot tub with a with a steam room that's suitable, like, aggressive heat doesn't do your erections any good. Could have been any number of reasons. I didn't obsess over it. Why? Because you got to get back on the horse. And fundamentally, are you never going to screw again? You get over it. Combination of nerves. Tony Montana said it best. It's tough to be a man. It's tough to be a man. And once, you know, HIV hit, people had to take condoms seriously. Then I had to deal with that fucking thing. Stop it and get the condom, but the condom on. Look, if I was having sex under 18, like I was, if it was with a woman over 18, I knew I was to a certain degree protected. She turns up pregnant, I go, ah, I was sexually, she's sexually abused me. But, you know, it, of course, we see in the end that doesn't really work. They still, still bring the kid to full term, and I would have been responsible, but that's not the point. The point is that the weight 
the weight of carrying uh, of carrying that first loss. He goes, I'm a different fighter then. I'm a different fighter then. And somebody said in the comments last night at the fight, he goes like, who, actually, who was Kevin Lee beat? How are we how are we even talking about this guy at this point in time? What is what's how that happen? Well, because he's got a certain amount of it. And, and the fights that he has won, he's won in a now I agree with everything that happened last night except for the 49-46, but it's pretty clear to me that 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 he did not win that fight. And it's pretty clear to me that he there's certain tricks when I do jiu-jitsu competitions and it's and I wear like tied and I start moving my hand, like flexing my wrist, like I'm gonna raise raise my arm. And I think it's like psych- people make fun of me this, but I think it sends a psychological message to the ref that I was the aggressor, expect to win, and therefore should win. So he sinks to his knee. If Kevin Lee is serious, he immediately goes back, switches teams, which is to say fires his present team and starts working with people, or he gets used to being having a relatively high number in the Phantom Toll booth. But this thing, for those listening on the radio, I'm making the universal sign of a belt. Get that shit out of your head. One mention of that, we're talking Lost Battalion out of you. And I, so I knew Ali Quinta would win because I knew that would be on his head. And Al, he's, Al's a fiery, fiery guy, right? He's had some time. Got his real estate license. I guess Maddie Sarah's got a real estate business too. They're working together. You know, what is that great line from that hip-hop song where kid not they hates when I do this and some of you hate it too. Fuck you. Um, like waiting on his royalties takes too long. It's like waiting on babies. It's from uh, 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 maybe Bring the Ruckus, Wu-Tang. You know, I it's, it sounds like a reasonable profession. It's hard, man, from from, from to close financing and to close and to get the paperwork done before you get your royalty check. Most of us get checks two every two weeks. Real estate, man, you don't. That's why you got to be on, 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 on. You're not going to make any money. So maybe suddenly fighting starts to look better as a supplementary source of income. But in any case, he trains with a team of killers. We make fun of sometime Maddie, Sarah, uh, Sarah Longo, but make no mistake that those guys come to fight. And he was soccer robbing that shit, he, you know, with the jab and then the spinning elbow. And catch it. Lee was cylindrical. His body was, he was, he, his, his mind died. In other words, in his head, what was happening was, should I quit? Should I quit? And his head said, yeah, yeah he had a couple of takedowns. Somebody was like, how come he didn't do more takedowns? It was clear because it took a lot of energy because you weren't prepared. You're going to lose. And you start doing that whole, that, that sexual dysfunction spiral. Oh, my God. What if I never get another extra again? Oh, my God. I got to go to that. Mm. Mm. So I'm glad to have my pick uh, validated. Uh, I'm glad the older fighter won, the New York native won. I'm really glad for Ally Akinta. Also, I don't care who became a care. Am I sad for Kevin Lee? No. You know who I'm sad for? Sad for me. That's who I'm sad for. My desire to be a horse jockey will never be fulfilled. That's the guy to feel sorry for me. Kevin Lee, there's a road ahead. 
begins with getting rid of his team. Going back a little further to Edson Barbosa versus Dan Hooker. We talked a little bit about Dan Hooker, whether or not he shared that. Edson Barbosa has been sterling all the way through, even when he's lost. Even when somebody texted me during the fight, he's like, Dan Hooker, I think he won by losing. Yeah, yeah, in, in a Justin Gaethje kind of way. Guy's got a lot of fight in him. He's taking a lot. And he could get back to winning again, but that was a fucking beating. And Barbosa has done been bar, he's Barbosa. He was periodic flashes of brilliance, separated. But, but keep in mind, when he's fucked up, it's just been guys who are absolute killers. Good fight, and I picked Barbosa, so I'm pretty happy. Walking backwards into this fight, I'm pretty happy. I'm two up. I don't remember what the, what the Nash's choices were. We just filmed Care Don't Care. I guess it's only on SoundCloud now, so go there if you want to hear me. And we did a special year-end Christmas special, which has nothing, very little to do with fighting. Uh, of course, the Pettis fucking gicked that he is fucked me by losing to Rob Font over decision, and it was a commanding decision. 3027, 3027, 3027. That's not by a small. I don't know. I just thought Milwaukee, local guy, but again, that heavy is a head that carries the crown. But, you know, this kid, he's likable, you know, and he's not he got the same kind of profile as his brother. He'll survive this. And they're talking about great things for Rob Font. I just didn't think he would let it get by him. And it clearly did. So now I'm two up and one down. And uh, Oliveira, I called him against Jim Miller. Um, it, you know, first round submission. It's getting to be time, bro. OSB, OSB, not OSP, OSB. Other sports beckon. It's tough, Jim. It's tough to see you like this. I'd throw in the towel if I were you. Zach Atow and Dwight Grant did not care. Uh, Drakkar Close and Bobby Green. I cared about Bobby Green for obvious reasons. I think he got robbed in this fight as well. It's controversial. And he did He did the real fake thing, not the fake, fake thing. And he's like, said, you know what? I'm out. I'm deleting my social media accounts. Keep your sport. Good luck. Thanks. It's been a great ride. I got other shit to do. Perfect. I mean, this is a unanimous decision. I'm 29, 28, 29, 28, 29, 28. I thought maybe it's a little closer than than uh, Kevin Lee and the, the other uh, Ayakenta. But I, I, I think Bobby Green was robbed. And what happens when you're robbed? You don't go back to where they robbed you. Sound call. Sad for us, good for him. And Joaquin Silver, I, I love this fight. I did not care about it going in, but strangely enough, the way this works, I didn't care going in. I like the fight, but I don't care coming out either. By which I mean, next time Joaquin Silver's name comes across my desk, I'll probably kind of go, eh, it depends on who he's fighting. A guy fights a fight like this, he wants to be known a little bit more, even if he gets a fight at night, but that's on the bald one. Dude already got from the don't care to the care. You care, it's on the ball. And like we said, marketing heft and weight put behind you by the overlords at the UFC and at Endeavor. If it's not there, we don't care. That's how that works. Uh, Hermanson and Mearshart, I, uh, I almost cared because of Mearshart. I'm glad I didn't care enough because I would have picked him and he got choked. Uh, Zach Cummings, I didn't care about, and the, the women got scratched from the card. Dan Ige and Jordan Griffin, I didn't care about, 
and Mark Rodriguez and Adam Milstead. I, I, I didn't care about the people who texted me that I should. Juan Adams and Crystal De La Rocha, I didn't care about. And that's it. It's a fight. We're only three minutes over, four minutes over now. I mean, I'm not, I'm not wedded to the clock here. I got shit to do, but that's fine. Going to dinner with the wife. So the degree to which, the degree to which, the, and this is where you start to feel like the tone and the timbre of all things MMA in the UFC is set by the fish head, in this case, the bald one. The degree to which it hews closer to his personality is the degree to which we're probably better off for it. We like real fakes. We like McNuggets. McNuggets is not doing that shit at home, but if you were to meet him in the streets in Dublin, and I'm not going to talk about that other unsubstantiated possible Irish sports star rape case that happened in the hotel room, because if you heard about the case a few weeks ago and you haven't heard about it today, you got to know something, that money is changing hands, which is an interesting conundrum. If you were to be raped by a man, how much would that man be able to pay you for you to get over it? In other words, how much is your anus worth? Compelling question. None of us wants to be raped. Because if you are raped it is, and you want to be raped, it is not rape. But none of us wants to be raped. But now presume that you are raped. What would make it feel better outside of a padded pillow to sit on and cash. Now, I know a woman who was given a, 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 a permanent communicable uh, venereal disease by a captain of industry in Silicon Valley. He offered her money. She said, I'm not a whore. He said, what do you want? She goes, well, I, could need, I need a car. So he bought her a car. Got out of it easier than he thought. Blocked her, fired her from the company. Mm -hmm. She still has that communicable disease, and he has skated for the price of a car. Got to screw some 21-year-old trim with big giant knobbies, as, as I seem to remember it. Don't know. Don't, 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 don't know how much we'd have to pay, but that's, that's a tangent. We have, I'm not going to, this is not rumor in innuendo. I don't know that it was him. But I get the sense that if you were to find him in the streets, that you'd be very close to the same kind of guy that he is when he's walking around. We love our real fakes. Muhammad Ali. You think Muhammad Ali's dancing around his kitchen? He was in, this ins insufferable, like, I would like to be. I'm, gonna, I'm just asking if you want some more pancakes. I be, I got the pancake. You, you know, no, 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 no. I got, you know. Okay. We love our real fakes. We love our real fakes. Because they're not fucking, they, they open the curtain and they say, come on in, I want to show you how it's done. They're not trying to get something over on us. They're not trying to trick us. There's no kayfabe. It's like Hitler said, the three types of secrets. Those I keep from you, those we share, and future events as yet unknown. The most valuable type is the second grouping. Those we share. Which is why this show is special. In actual fact, when you hear Ozzy Confidential, some of those pieces will be, sound familiar to you. But what you've got there is a Reader's Digest version. Because I could be most candid here. I have to do more Hollywood there, 
most candid here. Awareness makes a difference. Awareness makes a difference. We love our real fakes. And the fake fakes, as they exist in MMA, Colby Crappington. It's fake fake. It's why he doesn't have as many supporters as he might. Good for you, Mr. McKay. He subscribed. Like those of you should subscribe to the Eugene S. Robinson Show uh, Stomper channel so that when we do the JJB, the Jiu-Jitsu Breakdown, you can get your top flight fight information or when we do You Kill Me film reviews for reprobates, you could be notified. We love, and insofar as the bald one is a real fake and his personality permit, I think the business is actually better off. Question is, do fake fakes run anything? Yeah, well, we gave a breakdown of the fake fakes. They do run things. I think Zuckerberg is a fake fake. So, you know, pulling from the, and Steve Jobs was a real fake. I think Jeff Bezos is a real fake. I think Bill Gates is a real fake. I think everybody at Facebook, sorry, even though this could cost me a future job, I got to say it, I think they're fake fakes. Sheryl Sandberg with a lean in. I think we should. And now it turns out she's trying to do kayfabe against George Soros, you know, opposition research. Nah, bro. Nah. No. It smells that way. It smells rotten. It smells like there's stuff going on behind the curtain that I need to know about, and you're keeping it from me. Don't like it. If I wasn't in a band and didn't have these shows or write it for Ozzy, wouldn't be on Facebook. It doesn't serve my purposes. Anyway. That is show four four. It went a little bit over. Thanks for sticking in there. Um, uh, we'll be back on Tuesday at seven twenty or thereabouts with if I did it. And we had a great meta moment. I don't know if you heard the last if I did it, uh, where of course Bloody Elbow was <laughs> was had a PR kerfuffle to end all PR kerfuffles, and we dealt with it on the show during the show which is actually pretty, pretty fucking cool. I mean, I don't work for, for a bloody elbow, but you know what I mean? It was kind of cool. And it followed immediately by If the Shoes Fit uh, on, on Tuesday. Care Don't Care Preview is, uh, is already, uh, it's now a special holiday show, but it should be up on SoundCloud in about an hour with me and John Nash, if you care. You can follow me on Twitter, at Eugene S. Robinson. On Instagram, at Mr. Sleep 3, the number three. Other than that, I'll see you soon. Try to stay alive and don't be taken in by fake fakes. They will kill you every time. Other than that, look what you made me do! Hey!